Tuning in to the 179th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting platform you are listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, going to have a little bit of a different podcast today. I was originally going to have my guy, Scotty Johnson. Come on the podcast, we're going to do our all-NBA first team, second team, and third teams. But there was a little bit of uh, technology, audio software malfunction, to say the least. So it got deleted, and uh, we're going to actually redo that podcast in a couple of days and probably release it next week maybe the week uh maybe the week after but we're gonna get that to you so here's what i decided to do i was looking through some old podcasts i used to work with uh, lnm radio network in south carolina and we used to have a radio version and the radio version in the second it was two hours the radio version in the second hour really never came on the podcast right so i look back at some old radio versions of my time at lnm last year and I found one with me and my guy, Jason Cavari, and I believe it was our first ever NBA history segment. We went through uh, some of the biggest first-round draft pick busts of all time in NBA history. So cut cut and pasted that in here. So hope everybody tunes into that, right? It's going to be really interesting. Uh, really, uh, I think it was our first one, and uh, like I've, I had Jason on numerous times for NBA history. So hope you enjoy, and we're going to have that, me and Jason Cavari. Cold cases of Barbershop Sports Talk. Gun up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is O. Oh, we're back with Barbara Josh Sports Talk, and we have a regular guest with us, Jason Gavari. How are you doing, Jason? Pretty great, my man. How about you? I'm doing good. Now, me and Jason, we're going to start this new segment. I have, we have not figured out a name, probably. We'll figure that out next time. Uh, but, Jason, just tell us a little bit about what you're thinking. Well, like, what we're going to do here is we're going to take the usual 20 to 25 minutes, and we're going to look into all different kinds of things related to NBA history. Like today, what we what we'll be doing is uh, the worst first picks of all time. We'll be looking into those and discussing them recently. But what we'll do, we'll look into player cases, maybe important series to the history. Uh, one thing I want to do at some point is the whole Tim Donaghy scan or scandal there with all with the game fixing and stuff. So just really interesting stuff from back in NBA history. We'll be looking at every week. Tim Donaghy did. You, you think you believe he fixed those games, right, Jason? Just a quick aside. I did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, did you see that ESPN article? That yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. The well, league said though they concluded did. that they found nothing though. They they debunked the ESPN report, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, NBA would of course they'd say they didn't find anything, but <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Like with all the research they did and all the time they spent into doing, like this was a, a project that spanned years before they actually wrote this report for ESPN. So uh, that's definitely one I'd want to dissect on here and look at, see what we think about it. 
but we'll do that another time. But now I believe your topic is uh, the top, the worst uh, first overall draft picks in NBA history. So just start. What's your list looking like, Jason? Well, I picked out four. Um, looking at everybody that I remembered, and then going into old times too to look. Um, really, the oldest one we have. How about we start there? Was from 1998, Michael Um and he was drafted by the Clippers in '98. Seven footer from a University of Pacific. And when he was playing there, he averaged 22 points, 11 rebounds a game in his last year there. So it wasn't a terrible pick. A big guy playing really well like that. Huge inside presence. Obviously, that was popular at that time in the league. And uh, when he got to the league, though, he just looked bossed on the floor. He was decent at shot blocking, but he couldn't do anything else. I mean, he was average at best in other departments. He was out of the league by age 31 and averaged just uh, eight points and seven rebounds a game. And all that after being taken ahead of Dirk Nowitzki, Vince Carter, and Paul Pierce in that draft. Okay, is that is that that's your first guy, like the worst? Yeah, not to rank him at all yet. Okay, not to rank him yet, not to rank him yet, but since 1998. Now, who's the other guy you have? Who are the other guys? Now, moving forward, the next one, a pretty famous one, gotten a a lot of a runaround on sports shows, obviously, since he was drafted. Kwame Brown, 2001. <laughs> One of the high schoolers. He was 6'11 and 270 pounds. Like, comparable in size to Zion that long ago. He was surrounded by hype, you know, with all these high school picks coming out. Uh, around the same time, well, I mean, LeBron was after, but this was still part of that whole hype train with the high school players, you know? The man could score, he could rebound, he could block. He literally could do everything in high school. Like, this guy was the real deal from what people were saying. So the Wizards used the number one pick on him in the hopes that uh, they could become a contender with him. But instead, he turned out to be a complete underachiever and, from what I remember, a completely ridiculous, immature head case. He was traded from the Wizards to the Lakers in 2005. I think he played for four or five teams in uh, his 10 years that he played. Never lived up to his potential. He averages seven points and around six rebounds for his career. And considering his size, that's pretty ridiculous. Again, he's 6'11", 270 pounds. And he was drafted ahead of the All-Stars, Al Gasol and Joe Johnson, also Jason Richardson and Gil Kourkness. So that was a pretty ridiculous pick there. Now, who's your next guy? My next guy, a bit of a sad story here, and I kind of wondered about this too, because injury plays a big role in this. Uh, this was in the 2007 draft, Greg Oden. Uh, I'm pretty sure you remember, and like a lot of people listening, I'm sure you remember as well, the hype here was huge around him or Durant. That was like the big question. Who goes number one? You know, is it him or is it Durant out of Texas? It was uh, Portland and Seattle that were picking one and two respectively. And uh, the Blazers actually ended up choosing Odin, as we all remember. He averaged 16 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks a game in the one season he played at Ohio State. but obviously team management ended up regretting their decision as he missed all that first season because he had microfracture surgery on his knee. And I think he ended up playing just 82 games overall in his whole career. And it was sad because I even remember watching him play. Like a lot of the times you could see that there was potential for him to be a great player, but it just never shook out because of all these terrible injuries he had. And maybe, maybe we leave him off because of injury, but you've got to think, he went ahead of Kevin Durant, who has been huge in the league ever since he's been drafted. It was just a ridiculous mistake for them to have taken him over Durant, with hindsight, obviously. 
Yeah, that whole Portland Trailblazers team, just as a side, another aside, uh, Brand, remember Brandon Roy? Yeah. Brandon Roy, first pick, but. Greg Oden, and LaMarcus Aldridge. At one point, they were all on the same team. Shame, yeah, that Roy got injured too. He was great. Uh, he had strung together a few great seasons, actually. Like, I know he had picked number one, but that was another great player. And that's another thing we could go into as well. Like, great players that have dealt with injury and their careers have been ruined because of that. You know, Derrick Rose, to mention another. Now, who's our next guy, Jason? And the last guy I had on the list uh, of these four guys is Anthony Bennett. Obviously, very famous. Uh, me as a Cleveland fan, very upsetting. And uh, the thing with him, I mean, it was a weak draft overall, but we could have taken Giannis, we could have taken McCollum, could have taken Oladipo, or Steven Adams, you know, all guys that would have been a good fit for the team, guys that we could have built around that would have been there through our championship runs of several years, but we took Anthony Bennett. And he did nothing at UNLV to suggest that he was going to be a great player or even the best prospect. Like, I want to emphasize, in that draft, Nobody was even 100% sure he was the best person to take. But the Cavs still took him. It was an empty draft, but again, we took him over guys that absolutely would have been better, that a lot of teams even saw at the time would have been better than him. Uh, he struggled in the league. He was immature. He was constantly out of shape, just looked like he was lost on the floor. I mean, I don't really remember many great moments where I looked at him and I was like, yeah, this guy is going to be a legit player. And it's just sad to think that that guy was the number one pick. Uh, he's washed out of the league now in the, the G League, I think, which he's playing relatively well. Obviously, I hope he resuscitates his career, but for all intents and purposes, being a number one pick, it's pretty ridiculous to see where he ended up. Now, Jason, just think about this for a moment. I mean, you know, I know it's a Cleveland fan. You're not going to want to hear this. Just imagine if <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers draft Giannis, then LeBron comes back. So you have Giannis, Kyrie, and LeBron. Man. I mean, real, any of those guys, Oladipo, Steven Adams, McCollum, or Young, those are four guys. And there's other guys in that draft that would have been better, that would have at least contributed to the team and not have washed out of the NBA yet. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. For you to have been a first-round pick six years ago and not still be in there, not a first-round pick, a number one pick six years ago and not be in the league, that's absolutely Ridiculous! I don't care what draft it was. You cannot go first overall and be playing in the G League right now. And no injuries either, I should add. This was just because he was a terrible player. Now, like, I guess I'll, I'll start with this. The biggest correlation I got from your list, uh, from, from just uh, looking at it, from my perspective, is big. We have a big. We have Michael uh, Ndakwa. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mm. Michael Ndakwa, big. Uh, Kwame Brown, big. Uh, Greg Oden, big. Anthony Bennett, bigger guy. So does this go into what I would say about the draft is, you know, and maybe partly because you looked at this uh, for, for, since 1998 till now, that, you know, you get past the era, that previous era, it was David Robinson, it was Shaq, it was Kareem, it was uh, Patrick Ewing, and then people trying to find the next great big man, who's the next great big man, and then people just swing and miss on big man after big man. Do you think that was kind of the issue back then? I think it still is an issue, you know, guys trying for big dudes just based on how big they are. You know, athleticism is a draw. And look at all the hype around Zion, again, because he's so ridiculously athletic. I think this has always been a thing. We see these freak-of-nature-sized guys, 
and we try to draft him, but obviously we see sometimes it just doesn't work out, as these four cases clearly show. And uh, another thing I want to ask is, too, when you think about this, how do you think about this when, you know, you draft a seven-footer, right? Like, in cases, we have three seven-footers. But if we look, and you know, a lot of the times, you know, seven-footers, they, and you know this, they dominate high school basketball. Why? Because they're seven-foot. I mean, what's the average high school right. center? Six-three? Maybe. Mm. maybe. Maybe the average high school center is six-three? Maybe. Maybe the tallest guy you get is six-seven. But if you're seven-foot, seven-foot-one, seven-foot-two, you're going to dominate. And then we... We start skewing the results, especially if you look at a guy like Kwame Brown, who was drafted out of high school. Right. And it's just like my uh, my caveat to that, when looking at these players, look less at their athleticism, look at their basketball skill, look at their basketball IQ. That's what stands out to me more. If they play smart, if they pass well, if they have a shot, if they look like they know what they're doing on defense – versus having raw athleticism and a high ceiling because those guys have exponentially higher bust potential because they don't have a good foundation of how to play the game. That was the issue with Ola Wakandi. He learned to play as a teenager, so he didn't have the foundation of how to play basketball down. That's why he looked lost out there. And the teams were obsessed with his physical gifts, which, yeah, had he played his whole life, he would have taken advantage of that. But starting in your teenage years playing basketball, you don't have an understanding, you don't have a foundation of how the game works. And that's the reason he busted. And my next question for you would be, when you look at all these teams, you look at the Clippers, you know, historically bad organization. You look at the Washington mm-hmm. Wizards, Michael Jordan was running things there. And we know Michael Jordan hasn't been, you know... <laughs> Michael Jordan's more known for a player, let's put it that way, in his shoes than his... Uh, <laughs> than running a team. And then we have the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we know, you know, what Dan Gilbert hasn't done for LeBron James, which is why he left. So here's my next question. Does it surprise you that when you mention these names, it's like, okay, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He doesn't really know what he's doing. These are all bad organizations. No, that's true. And, and you got to think a good organization is going to do their due diligence when they go into the draft. You know, you don't get a number one pick just to throw it around ridiculously like this. And you would never see, you know, a great organization like the Spurs or the Celtics making a mistake like this. They'll think it through. They'll look at every single thing about these prospects and they'll be like, oh, okay, should we pick this guy based on X, Y, and Z factors? And they're not going to get overexcited about X factor being the athleticism when Y factor, their actual basketball talent, isn't up to par with what you should expect from a number one pick. Now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Jason, tell us who you have in order from who's the worst uh, to who's like the least of the worst, I guess. I would honestly say first, and this pains me as a Cleveland fan, but it's got to be Anthony Bennett. I I was just painful watching the guy play. Absolutely ridiculous. And uh, even though it was a weak draft again, I just want to emphasize this guy was such a bad basketball player. These other guys on the list, they were average at best, middling at worst, but Anthony Bennett was just terrible. So he's a clear number one for the worst pick on this list, I would say. Now, see, that's interesting. Now, who would I have won? Uh, you see, it's tough for me. You know, I think in terms of who was this ended up being the worst basketball player of all of them, probably Anthony Bennett. But if we want to do this in terms of, for example... 
who could have drafted the better player? Like who who did they who they drafted ahead of? I would say Greg Oden because you miss yeah. out on KD. Right, but yeah, no, I'm judging like for me, it's overall as, as a basketball player. I mean, obviously, consideration is who came after. But again, with Bennett, you know, Oladipo came after, Stephen Adams came after, McCollum came after, Giannis came after. So considering how terribly he played and the fact that he had no potential, like. Nobody saw this guy getting any better. He was that bad, and he was going to stay that bad, and he was drafted ahead of guys that good. That's what bothers me most about him and why I think he was the worst of the worst picks of all time here. Okay, now, Jason, who do you have number two? Number two, I would say, is Olo Wakandi. Because even though he was average at best, I think he had like one or two good years, he was still terrible. Like, just go back and watch (laughs) the game tape. This guy just... Looks so lost out there. Completely different for college, which again, like we talked about before, I feel like it was his size advantage, um, which was why he dominated so much in college. And when he comes to the league, that athleticism is matched by his opponents. So he's completely lost out there, and he doesn't have a foundation of basketball knowledge to fall back on. So he's my second choice. I agree with you again. I have Olakandi too as well. All right, moving on to three, I would say Brown there. Because while he was bad, not bad, average, I would say, again, expectations, the hype around that pick there was that he was going to change the league. He didn't. He was an average player, a role player at best. But with him, you did see the potential there at times. There were times when he would put up a 30-point game when you'd be like, whoa, like this is what we remembered from high school. Like Why isn't he doing this more consistently? And there was always that feeling earlier in his career that he was going to be able to pull out of where he was at, that he was going to improve, that he was going to reach the ceiling, the expectations, the hype that was set for him as a, a number one pick by the Washington Wizards. And that's why they stuck with him that long, because he kept flashing moments like that. As frustrating as it is to have a guy that good, was consistently bad, but occasionally puts up a good game, it gives you hope. So that's why they stuck with him for that long. And I do think he had the potential to be great. But he just didn't work at it. Immature. I'm going to have to slightly disagree with you. While I think Greg Oden was a better basketball player than Kwame Brown, Kwame Brown had a long career. Like, he had a decent... I mean, he was a backup center. Maybe he started a couple years. Like, Kwame, it was a no... You know. I, I mean, Greg Oden, though, I mean, you get no... You, you got no really short, uh, tread on that tire. I mean, he was out the league after, like, a couple years. So I, I'd have to go Kwame right. Brown in terms of longevity. Hmm. But yeah, again, I'm just saying as purely as a basketball player, you know, looking at how they shook out after they picked them, I would say... Oh, Greg Oden was the... Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we're going worst to best, you know. Like Bennett was the worst, obviously. And then at the end, obviously, we've got Greg Oden here. And my thing was that although he was picked ahead of Durant, you could see when Greg Oden played, yeah, maybe there's something here. When he would step on the floor, there weren't moments where he'd just be like, oh, God, this guy's terrible. Like, why'd they pick him ahead of Durant? The injuries were clearly an issue, but had he been healthy, I think he would have backed up his draft status as the number one pick there. This guy was actually that good. He was just constantly hurt and unfortunately never got to show it. So I would say he's the best of the worst picks on this list. Now, you know, it was interesting. I remember a couple years ago, I was looking at a player comp for uh, Greg Oden, and it was Bill Russell. And, and, and Greg Golden was highly thought of. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember. And that's, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's realistic, obviously, looking at what Russell's done. But, like, 
the hype around him did translate into how he played. Again, it was just that he was hurt so much that he never got to realize his full potential. And we also got to remember that injuries to a big man are far more serious generally than injuries to a guard or a smaller wing. You know, these are bigger bodies. It's going to take longer to heal. Um, injuries that guards or wings could come back from quickly and resuscitate their careers pretty quickly might be devastating or even end a career for a big man, which is what ultimately happened to Odin. Now, here's my question. How good do you think Greg Oden would have been if he never got hurt? If he never got hurt, I think he would have been a consistent year-in, year-out all-star. I really do believe that. That's not Kevin Durant, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's very true. And But again, at, at the time, you would have been able to defend that pick. You know, You would have been able to say, all right, that makes sense that they picked Greg Oden. It wasn't something absolutely ridiculous, like, whoa. Like, they picked this guy out of nowhere. Durant went second. No, I mean, there were defensible reasons for them taking Greg Oden. And when he played, you were like, yeah, this guy has potential. This guy is showing why he's the number one pick. But he just never got to put it all together because of the injuries. I agree with you, Jason. I agree with you, Jason. Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show, Jason. Of course, my man. Thank you for having me on. Jason Gavari, as always... And again, I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode, the 179th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.